Good morning and welcome to the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for each and every one of you who is coming on to the live right now. Feel free to drop down in the comment box if you have any questions, comments, or concerns throughout the show, and we'll be more than happy to try to respond to any and all of them as they roll through. I may not get to um, all of them or any of them today, but certainly we will have them in the queue, and we will get to any and all of your questions and comments on a later episode of this show. Got a jam-packed episode for you today. Um, today Today we are going to be talking about an Alabama pastor who um, unalived himself after a discovery of a secondary lifestyle that he was living and, um, and the consequences that came with that thereof. We're also going to be talking about um, gender norms and playing dress up as it pertains to Halloween and allowing kids to dress up to be whatever they want to be for Halloween, whether or not it should, whether or not it's appropriate or not for us to be able to do something like that. Uh, we're going to answer, answer the question, why would someone go back and forth between living for God and the world? And we're also going to be talking about De, um, DeMar Hamlin and the scholarship um, program that he has uh, put together in honor of um, of all of the, the Cincinnati hospital um, responders um, during last year's heart attack that he had on the football field. Um, but today we are going to start our conversation we're continuing our series in um, in this book entitled uh, Gods at War. Again, this is the book that we've been going through for the past two weeks now, um, and we are <clears throat> um, entering into week three of our of our journey into this book. We're looking at the um, the Temple of Pleasure, and we're going to be talking about the God of Sex in this next chapter. And so, again, we certainly thank you all for coming. Thank you all for joining us and hope that you are given something that will edify your soul in a mighty and powerful way. We're going to start with a word of prayer and then we're going to get started in our in our book on today. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you saying thank you for another blessed day of your presence. We're thankful, God, that you thought it not robbery to give us this opportunity to be able to worship you in spirit and in truth. We're asking, Lord God, that this show be lifted up to you. That it be none of us and all of you. Uh, that it not be any of my thoughts or any of my beliefs or any of my will, but it all be your will, downtown will of God. We're asking, Lord God, that each person that hears this message on today, Lord God, that they get something out of it that can they can carry with them um, from now until eternity. And for Lord God, for those who don't have a walk with you, we ask that we say something on today that will pierce the heart of stone, Lord God, and plant in their hearts so that you can burst that heart up and turn it into a heart of flesh, that they may grow to love you, may grow to honor you, may grow to bless you, may grow to play, praise you, and may grow to worship you in both duty and delight. And Lord God, we'll be so careful to give your name all praise, glory, and honor because you are deserving of it all. And we certainly thank your son, Jesus Christ, for paving the way for us by living the life we couldn't live, dying the death that we deserved, descending into hell, beating us not out of hell, coming back to up to earth and ascending into heaven and coming back to get us once again. We thank him for his sacrifice on today and thank him that he paved the way for us that they, we may be able to have the opportunity to call ourselves the children of God, the righteousness of God, those who have been set free from the bondage of sin and will be able to uh, walk with you both now and forever. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
All right. Again, thank you guys so much for joining in today. If you have not bought this book yet, Gods at War, I certainly do um, recommend that you go and get this book by Kyle Eidelman. Again, let me flip the camera around so that way you guys can see. Um, <clears throat> this book right here entitled Gods at War. I've got the two for one. Um, when it was on sale, so I got not a fan, not a fan in Gods at War, but we're going through Gods at War right now. I recommend you get this book if you wanted to have a discussion on what it is that we're trying, what we're actually battling against, and how to go about combating the combating the enemy who is after our souls, after our hearts, and so. We've been talking for the past few days about the fact that idolatry is when we put any good thing, anything, whether good or bad, but we put anything in the seat of God and worship it. Uh, we give it, we ascribe it ultimate value and worth. And so as we've been talking the past couple of days, uh, well, the last, the last conversation we had, we entered the temple of pleasure. And in the Temple of Pleasure, according to Kyle Eidemann, we're going to be looking at the God of food, the God of sex, and the God of entertainment. Last time we talked about the God of food and how we have to be careful that we're not using food as a means to comfort ourselves. Um, and instead, we look to the God of all comfort to give us the comfort that we need in times of crisis. And so at this time, I'm going to give you guys the next 10 seconds. If you have any children that you don't want hearing about sex, or if you got anybody out there who, you know, you don't want hearing about the topic of sex at all, I'm going to give you the next 10 seconds to get off the call, so that way I can do what I would, what, uh, what, we'll go, go into this next chapter. Um, so your 10 seconds start right now. All right, so we're entering into, we're entering, again, we're in the temple of pleasure, and we're talking about the God of sex. In this forward backdrop, I want to go to uh, Romans chapter 1, and we're going to start at verse number 24. <clears throat> Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of evil, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, not only do they do them, but give approval to those who practice them. So, in the, in, the, in the state that we're in right now, more so than in any other generation, we are in a hypersexualized culture. Um, and for a lot of us, we um, have warped and twisted what it means to um, enjoy the gift of sex in the in the way that God had it originally intended and designed for it to be. 
ripping straight from the book, we see that Kyle Eidelman says, sex is good. I want to be real clear on that early on. In fact, sex is a gift from God himself. But isn't it amazing how some of the richest and most beautiful gifts from God are often the same gifts that are twisted into hideous and destructive idols? Sex was God's idea. He designed it to intimately connect us to a spouse. Sex done God's way can create a supernatural bond between us. All of the, all the creation, sorry, at the creation of humanity, it was arranged by God that a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united as one. This is a spiritual union that is captured and reflected in the physical act of making love. One of the Hebrew words for sex, translated literally, is a mingling of the souls, and that captures it perfectly, a beautiful gift from God. It brings pleasure and intimacy, and of course it produces children in accordance with God's plan. He could have made reproduction simple, mechanical, a joyless act of natural instinct. He could have created sex to feel the same way it feels when your hair grows, but he chose to make sex pleasurable. Just as we've seen with food, God designed sex in such a way that it doesn't just accomplish a purpose, it also brings pleasure. He is a father who likes to give his children good things. All his gifts point us back to him, or at least that's how it should work. Your, the gift should cause us to love and worship the giver more deeply. But all too easily, God's gifts to us end up being his greatest competition. Imagine for a moment that you are a parent out shopping for a present to give your child. You heard him talking in tones of awe about the latest gaming console. You see it at the store, and the thought of the smile on his face puts a smile on yours. It's not inexpensive. In fact, it's somewhat of a sacrifice, but you want the best for your child. When you get home and present the gift, your child offers a joyful shout, a tight hug, and a dozen frenzied thank yous. It was worth every penny for this moment. You stop by his room a couple of times and watch him setting it up and playing it with the utter concentration. You ask him a question about the game and he says, wait, can't talk, and then seems to forget you're there. Later, you ask him to go out to dinner with his family, to go out to dinner with his family, and, but, but he begs off, wanting only to stay and play with his new game. Later on, he starts to tell you about the add-ons in his games, in games his friends have, and are um, arguing that their version is much better than his. Not only do you not see him as much as before, not only do you see him, not see him as much as before, but he seems less confident and happy before you bought the console. <clears throat> How could a nice gift go so wrong? It happened because the gift became more important than the giver. The beauty was not meant to be so much in the thing itself, but the love that brought it about. This is what happens when God has to compete with his own blessings. Sex is beautiful until it loses its spiritual context. Food and other forms of pleasure are wonderful until they become ends in themselves. They become gods, and the gods become tyrants, and the tyrants become slave masters. What we as the, as, the, as the people of God and the believers in God have to remember is that any good thing that God gives us has the potential to, be, to become a God thing. 
Any good thing that God gives us has the potential to become a God thing. We the believers in God know that what God designed sex for and what it's meant to bring about. We're supposed to bring about intimacy, bring about connection, bring about pleasure, absolutely, and bring about children. That we know that this is a good thing that God has designed in the context of a spiritual union between husband and wife. But just like with everything else, any good thing can become a God thing and we end up using it for our own selfish desires and intents rather than using it for the, for the purpose that God created it for. And as a result, that good thing can become a God thing. And when it becomes a God thing, we will twist it in any way, shape, or form in an attempt to give ourselves the satisfaction or the pleasure that we're looking for. And over the course of time, the thing that we thought was going to bring us the satisfaction and peace, we end up needing more and more and more of it to get that original high that we first received. <clears throat> and as a result, we'll spend some of our lives, most of our lives, all of our lives chasing down this temporary high. And we don't care who we got to hurt. We don't care how much money we got to spend. We don't care how many nights we have to spend, you know, um, you know, uh, just just wasting away in our souls in an attempt to receive that physical satisfaction that that although sex will give us, it was never designed to 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 heal the longings of the soul. The book goes on to say. The book goes on to say. The God of sex specializes in taking you further than you've ever intended to go. So let me ask you, has the pursuit of sexual pleasure become an obsession? Is it the subject of your last thought at night and the first in your morning? Do you daydream about it at work, spend money on it, risk your career or marriage for it? Is it what you fight most about in your marriage? Do you feel the presence of God fading into the deepening mist of a cloud of shame? <clears throat> Philosophers call this, well let me back up. When something become when something good becomes a god, the pleasure it brings dies in the process. Pleasure has this unique trait. The more intensely you chase it, the less likely you are to catch it. Philosophers call this the hedonistic paradox, the idea that pleasure pursued for its own sake evaporates before our eyes. I'm guessing some of you have an idea about what's going on here. The God of sexual pleasure promises you incredible satisfaction. As you read magazines and surf websites, as you keep going a little bit farther with your boyfriend or girlfriend, you obsess over what it, what it would be like to push the envelope, to go ahead and give in to your desires, to grab that moment of ecstasy. But what happens? The God delivers the opposite of what is promised. Instead of satisfaction, you experience emptiness in an almost immediate hunger for something more. Instead of closeness and intimacy, you experience a strange sense of something that feels like that feels like loneliness. You think that the steak will match match the sizzle, that it all will pay off, that you will feel complete. Instead, you can't shake the impression that you've given away some part of yourself that you can't get back. When the gift replaces the giver as the object of our worship, something surprising happens. When we begin to worship the God of pleasure instead of the God who gave it to us, 
we discover that the pleasure is lost. We discover the devastating paradox that when we pursue pleasure as a god, this pleasure disappears. <clears throat> he says um, further down, talking about, um, talking about the sacrifices we make. Some have sacrificed their finances. More money is spent on pornography in this country every year than on rock music, country music, jazz, and classical music put together. More money is spent on porn than pro basketball, baseball, and football combined. Last year, it grossed more than ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox combined. It's an industry that at the time of this book that was written, I think, let me get, let me get the, the, the time stamp on it. Twenty thirteen. As of twenty thirteen, it's an industry worth more than ten billion dollars. But it's not just our money we've sacrificed to this God. Many have sacrificed their marriages, their children, and their careers on this altar. He's described he described so many people that he's talked to that have destroyed their entire lives because they wanted they wanted some sex, because they wanted some tail, they wanted some skin. And not just not just the old people we talked to he's talked to young people as well who have de who have dedicated their lives to chasing after somebody chasing after something in order to get that next sexual hit and he said and they said that some people will say it's just looking at pictures it's harmless entertainment but no it's really not it's a form of worship it's the laying of our souls on an altar before God who only wants to consume us. You are giving your heart to this God and everything flows from this heart. Eventually the garbage makes its way downstream and comes to the surface. He goes on to say, imagine a young man who has laid down his own mental highways. He ends up viewing um, pornography and that particular neural pathway becomes the main road. In time, it's the default route for any thought about any woman he meets. And lustful thinking only reinforces those roads. I've heard one psychologist explain that lust and self-pleasure are playing with neurochemical fire. He says that it results in a narcissistic and selfish approach to sexuality in which we bind ourselves to ourselves, if you will. Sexuality is meant to be relationship-based, not a private and selfish experience. We had a study about a man who sat and watched certain images for a certain period each time of day with a baseball cap on top of his computer monitor. After enough time elapsed, it was shown that by association, he could be sexually aroused by the sight of a baseball cap. So the question is, who or what am I binding myself to? What roads am I building or reinforcing in my mind? And where will those roads lead me? It is, this is why idolatry is so dangerous. Our thoughts, attitudes, and eventually our actions are determined by what we worship. If you believe that you can lock away your sexual thoughts in a special airtight arrangement or compartment, you've been taken in by a lie. The Bible tells us that as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23 and 7. The mind determines who we are and who we are becoming, and we think based on what we see and hear. 
What are you feeding your mind? We are told to take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. 2 Corinthians 10 and 5. I love that metaphor of taking prisoners because it's exactly what happens to our minds one way or the other. We take it captive for, the tr for truth or allow it to be seized and imprisoned by lies. Remember, this is war. The gods are at war for your soul. <clears throat> and so this is what he has to say about sex. I'm going to park it right here. Think through this. Whenever, when, when, something becomes, when something good becomes a god, not only does pleasure disappear, we also experience pain. Think through this with me. When we worship sex as a god, we find that it leads to the exact opposite of its divine design as a gift. As a gift, sex brings connection. As a god, it leads to emptiness. As a gift, it brings satisfaction. But as a god, it demands slavery. As a gift, it brings intimacy. As a god, separation. As a gift, it brings unity. As a god, it often causes divorce. It is a beautiful gift and a tyrant of a god. When pleasure becomes your god, you experience anything but. The god of pleasure is the master of bait and switch, luring us in with images and promises that become the chains and cycles in the sh shackles, chains and shackles of our mental imprisonment. And so I wanted so I'm, in saying all of this, I want to help us understand what it is that God is trying to say to us about the gift of sex and how we can end up twisting it and warping it in such heinous ways. I was talking to a client of mine and he was telling me that, um, that for a while he, he um, he was telling, he, but the, I'm trying to see, I'm trying to make sure he was telling me that his wife was wanting him to be more vocal in the bedroom. And he thought to himself, what type of stuff is she watching to where she wants me to become more vocal? Because if she wants me to be more vocal and I'm not a vocal person, then apparently there's something or someone that she's looking at that is more vocal and she's trying to make me become that person. And so in talking to him about it, I asked him the question, well, is she the type of person to watch that sort of stuff? Because if she's not that type of person to watch that sort of stuff, why are you visualizing her watching something in which you're being more vocal? What have you been watching that makes you feel like that's what she's watching? And come to find out, he had watched a whole lot of pornography over the course of his life. And he had this idea of what sexuality was supposed to be. He determined that he didn't want to be what he saw in pornography. But those images stayed planted in his mind so that when his wife asked him to become more vocal in the bedroom, she wasn't asking for him to act like anybody or anything, but she loved words of affirmation. And because she loved words of affirmation, she asked him in an attempt to spice up their love life, which is fine in the confines of marriage, which they were, which they are, just say some stuff to me. But in his mind, he had it implanted Oh, she wants me to be like a corn star. No, I can't do that. I can't do that. And so their lives, their, their sex life began to, um, began to deteriorate because he refused to be what he thought she was, th she was thinking of rather than talking to her and asking her, what do you mean by being more vocal? 
Something that could have been solved in a half hour over a plate of wings ended up turning into several months of sexual dysfunction between the two of them because of the images that he had in his mind of what it meant to be vocal. He was basing their relationship and their sex life in particular off of what they had seen over the course of his entire life um, in watching pornography. And as a result of that, their lives began to suffer. It was only until he had a conversation with her and asked her to be more specific about what she was asking for that he was able to then realize, oh, wow, I'm turning this into something that is not meant to be. Not him. Not her, I mean. She, she just wants me to be more vocal. I, all I got to do is just say a couple of pointed words at the right time, and that's going to give her what she needs. And I can do that. Because I really do feel this way toward her, and I really do want her to feel good. And so, if I just ask her, you know, and she replies and responds, we can keep this train going. Far too often, we have equated sex and sexuality to what we see in the media, what we see on the internet, what we see on TikTok, what we see in social media. And as a result, we spend so much time, we spend so much time trying to recreate and manufacture what we think sexuality is supposed to be. We'll some, we'll, and, and some of us, um, we'll spend so much time trying to recreate that, not realizing it's all a sham. It's all an act. It's all a game. And for some of it, it's dang near sex trafficking. And as a result, we're not, we're not, we're not imitating intimacy. We're not imitating love. We're imitating basically masturbation with a person the selfish act of making sure that i'm getting my rocks off rather than it being an intimate spiritual moment between my between my spouse and me and so because of that we have to be ever so careful as the believers in god that we're not turning our sex and sexuality into merely a pursuit to get our rocks off but that it is a spiritual intimate moment between us and our spouses. If we're not careful, we will find ourselves putting ourselves in a position where we're elevating sex and sexuality to be more than what it was designed to be. And we'll place that thing above God in such a way to where if our spouses don't meet our expectations and we don't, we're not communicating those expectations and we're just assuming they're going to meet those expectations, we will turn to the God of sex in an attempt to try to get our rocks off. And as a result of that, we'll find ourselves going deeper and deeper into holes and into caverns and into caves in an attempt to get our sexual fix. How often do we see marriages fall apart because either the husband or the wife weren't being satisfied sexually and rather than talk about it with one another to figure out how we can get it, how we can get it right, how we can make it better, how we can make it last, how we can make it, you know, satisfactory for the two of us. Instead, I'm now seeking outside, seeking outside of myself, seeking outside of the relationship in an attempt to get that that physical fix. When we elevate sex to be greater than love, to be greater than intimacy, to be greater than God. We have the potential to lay to waste so much about what's going on with so much in what's going on in our lives. And so what ends up happening is we end up spending money. I'm finna, I'm finna, I'm finna get on us on, on TikTok today. We end up spending money 
giving gifts to women and men in an attempt to get them to say something to us or to get them to wink at us or to get them to say, oh, thank you so much for your gift. Thank you so much. I do appreciate you so much. We'll turn to the OnlyFans and we'll give them $5.99 a month, $7.99 a month, $10.99 a month, $15.99 a month, just so we can see a picture, just so we can see a video, just so we can get them to say our names on the on, on their live streams or to say or say our names while they're doing some type of act on the on their on their tapes. Just so we can get that fix. Just so we can get our own rocks off. We'll spend more money than we have and keep burning and burning and burning and burning and burning in an attempt to get somebody on a live or to get somebody, you know, on the on the corn hub or to somebody on the OnlyFans to pay attention to us. To make us feel good in the moment. And then once we're done, our souls are so miserable on the inside that in order to keep moving forward, we have to suppress the spirituality in us in an attempt to keep going. Isn't it a wonder that you have so many people who don't want a relationship with God, but they have an intimate, deep relationship with sex and sexuality? Want nothing to do with the Savior, but they want everything to do with physical gratification. And for some of us, we've had to suppress the spiritual, the nature of who we are, the spiritual nature of who we are. The torture and torment that we're feeling on the inside of our hearts in an attempt to keep going along the path that we've chosen for ourselves. So we keep saying, I don't believe in God. God ain't real. God is imaginary. Y'all are believing in fairy tales. But all the while, you're, li you're, you're trying to live a fairy tale yourself by getting physically gratified day after day after day, week after week after week. And after all is said and done, feeling the shame and the guilt that comes with walking outside of the confines of the, um, and the guidelines that God has given us to make sex a gift and not a God. Sex is meant to be an, a, an incredible gift that God has given us, not just for physical satisfaction, but for deep connection with our spouses, deep connections with the people we love. It's meant to be a spiritual act that God honors, that rolls up to worship to God. I thank God that he gives us this. I think, listen, I don't care. I don't know about, I don't know about some of y'all. I thank God for sex. Okay. I thank him for it. Hallelujah. It's awesome. And yet for a lot of us, with the act of sex itself, we have tarnished it and we've called it nasty and called it ugly and called it dirty and called it grimy and given it all these derogatory terms that, you know, we can't even cherish it as the gift that God has given us. And, it's, and, and yeah, there may be some elements of it that feel sticky, sure, but... It's a good gift that God has given us. And so we thank God that he's given us this gift. The gift is flipping amazing, right? When it's done right, it's flipping amazing, all right? And so we thank God for the gift that he's given us. But we also recognize God as the gift giver. And we recognize the good boundaries that he set in order for us to have the most amazing sex that we're meant to have. 
in that space, he also allows us to be able to communicate with our spouses to say, hey, I like it like this. I don't like it like that. I like it like this. I don't like it like that. I like it like this. Please don't do that. So that our so that it becomes more than just a physical act of just trying to get per one person off or another off. It's an intimate, deep connection, a conversation, a relationship, a declaration of desire and intimacy, a mingling of the souls, literally a mingling of the souls. But anytime we step outside of those boundaries, we are saying to God, I know better than you. I know what's going to make me happy. I know what's going to satisfy me. I know what's going to make me feel good. I remember talking to somebody um, um, before, and she said that, you know, at one point she had had like two or three different um, traumatic situations that happened to her, and those traumatic instances happened with guys. And she's in, in that space, the last time that she was that she was traumatized, she said to herself, well, shoot. Maybe I'm not meant to be with a guy. Maybe I'm meant to be with women because of these traumatic things that have happened to me. And as a result, she started to formulate in her mind that maybe she's meant to, 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 to have sexual relations with women and not men. Again, we have to be ever so careful. And she was young and she didn't have anybody to turn to. And this is what, this is what our minds do. They formulate a way to cope with and deal with the traumas of our past. And in doing so, we will warp the very thing that God says is beautiful and turn it into something awful. Where because these things happen to me, in order to keep them from happening to me, let me get away from those people. And let me follow this trail. Let me follow, let me tra- let me follow down this pathway. And so... In doing so, we then warp and twist the beautiful gift that God has given us in an attempt to satisfy, again, the longings of the soul instead of allowing God into that space or somebody giving that girl Jesus, as a matter of fact, because that didn't happen. Thank God she found Jesus on her own. But it became, as it says, the therapeutic art is saying, a, de- a defense mechanism so that I don't have to deal with experience that pain anymore. And so in doing so, I'm now not working on the issue not being healed from the issue, I'm just keeping myself at bay and in doing so, warping the very gift that God has given us. Some of us, all we know is pornography. And so that's all we know. That's the only thing that we know. And so, you know, you have boys who would play the video game and then in playing the video game, they then turn the corn. And so now, anytime I'm touching my controller, my controller gets me aroused. But I'm not aroused by my girlfriend. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not aroused by my spouse. I'm aroused by the stick that's in my hand. Because I'm, my mind has now made an attachment to the stick that I'm carrying to play the game and pornography. Wife wondering, why, why aren't you aroused by me? Why don't, why don't I get you? Why am I not making you happy? And it's because he, and he probably don't even realize it himself. But it's this motion that his mind has now created a pathway to where that's what brings about arousal. She could be in the in the um in the kitchen cooking. He starts playing a video game and all of a sudden he's aroused. He's not looking for her. And she's like, all right. And after a certain point, realizing it's like three or four o'clock in the morning, and he's playing the game, and it's like, dude, 
It's three o'clock in the morning. What are you? What are you? Why are you? Why are you? No, I'm tired. So now I'm looking at chronography again. And what God is saying to us is we got to be ever so careful of how we are allowing sex to become the gods in our world, becoming more than what we're meant to be, more than what it's meant to be, supplanting God off the throne and placing sex in its place. Because what God is saying to us is if we are not careful, the very thing that God meant for good We'll spin it and make it for our own benefit and exchange the truth about God for a lie. And so we, the believers in God, got to do a heart check. Just as we said the last time, we got to do a heart check and ask ourselves the question. And Eva, as you're saying that, that's actually tomorrow's topic. If you come back tomorrow, we're going to talk about that very thing tomorrow, talking about playing video games than being with the family. We're going to talk, we're going to be downtown that on tomorrow <clears throat> as we're talking about the God of entertainment. Um, but we got to do a heart check. And the heart check is this. How well do we control the thoughts of our lives? How well do we control the thoughts of our lives? Again, going back to what we said before, when you have been patterned and conditioned to think a certain way for so long, when God interrupts that, when God comes in to interrupt that, when we're taking every thought captive and place it underneath the feet of Jesus, that thought, that thought, that it's difficult sometimes because, again, our thoughts can, can land us in hell. Jesus said it himself, if you look at somebody with lustful intent, you've already committed the sin. So our thoughts can land us in a world of trouble if those thoughts are allowed to germinate and create and create trees those seeds of sin can lead to trees of death so we got to control our thoughts what are we what do we find ourselves thinking about what do we find ourselves thinking about and are we in a place in our walk with God where we're able to take those thoughts captive and say you know what stop we know that this is this is not godly. This is not what God would have for me. This is not what God said is based is, is what's supposed to be what I'm doing. This is not how God has set my life up. This is not the way God intended my life to be. I need to stop this and taking the thought captive and not trying to stop it on our own. Because let it be clear, I tell people this all the time. I tell the people this all the time. All of your work on your own will only get you so far. You need the Lord in your life to empower you by the Holy Spirit to walk out his precepts, to walk out his ways. That's why I love Jesus. I love Jesus because he told me, you don't have to. You ain't got to do this on your own. You don't have to fight this fight on your own. You have the ability to use me. Use the power that I put inside of you to walk this thing out. So when we take these thoughts captive, we're not submitting them to, you know, a therapeutic intervention or submitting them to some therapeutic practice. No, we're placing them under the feet of Jesus. As we said before, therapy is useful and God has created therapy as a tool. A tool that helps us to, ex to uh, expose the idols that are laying, that are warring in our hearts. But therapy in and of itself is not the cure-all. Medication 
on its own is not a cure-all, but Jesus is the cure. We figure out what our idols are and we lay them under the submission of Jesus. We say to ourselves, okay, God, I get it. This is what's bothering me. I get it. You know, I've been watching a lot of corn. I've been watching a lot of, um, you know, I've been watching a lot of TikTok videos of women twerking. Um, you know, a lot of, you know, women showing off their chest and all this sort of stuff. I watch the guys with the six-pack abs and, you know, they're doing the exercise videos and those sort of things. Get my rocks off. God, I see it's me. It's me. I'm the problem. Every time I hold my cell phone, I'm getting aroused because I just can't wait to start swiping all over again. I can't wait to spend money on this chick who, you know, who's got an OnlyFans page. Or I can't wait to give this person gifts because they looked at me. They winked at me. They said my name during their live pod, their, their, um, their live stream. God, it's me. I'm the problem. I'm the issue. I'm the problem. So God, help me to take these thoughts captive so that when I think about it, I can interrupted by your power, interrupted by your might, interrupted by your strength. Um, the, the author says to think about Philippians chapter 8, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, what, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things the best way to keep the bad things out is to fill her up with the good things in other words we don't just remove the god of sexual pleasure we replace the god of sexual pleasure with the lord god like dude like that is so flipping powerful that god says i'm not telling you to be an empty shell i'm not telling you to empty your thoughts i'm telling you to replace them with me Replace them with my word. Replace them with what I told you is true. Replace them with what I told you is noble. Replace them with what I told you is right. Replace them with what I told you is pure. And over the course of time, that will begin to become the default position by which we fall. And we'll be able to look at sexual pleasure in its proper context. Right along with it. If we can get our thoughts submitted unto Jesus... If we follow a pattern of emptying our thoughts and, and replacing them with the thoughts of God, sex will be then put in its proper place. The second thing it asks ourselves, being more specific, what sites do you visit on the internet when you're by yourself? What sites do you visit when you're by yourself? When you're on your cell phone, when you're on your smartphone and ain't nobody looking, what are you watching on your cell phone? When your spouse ain't around, what are you looking at when your spouse ain't, ain't near you? What type of apps do you have on your phone? What type of things are you looking at? What, what has your attention when nobody's around? What are you trying to hide? Because again, this is an indication of a heart posture. Of a heart posture. That will reveal to you what it is that you're truly worshiping. Because, again, we go in and out. We go in and out. Like, okay, you, you, I, I, I saw you, my wife got me. She got me when it, well, this is an issue for me. She got me. She was like, why you turn? Why you flipping? Why you, I'm like, oh, shoot, I am. And I had to come to terms with that. Like, why am I turning? Why, and it's because I'm on this phone doing stuff I ain't got no minute doing. 
go let so if I say that I love Jesus and say that I love my wife, I need to eliminate, eradicate. So God take control of these thoughts. So that way I'm I don't have anything to hide. Because if I ain't got nothing to hide, why am I turning? If I ain't got nothing to hide, why am I twitching? If I ain't got nothing to hide, why am I swiping? If I ain't got nothing to hide, why am I going to the next app? You know, I got that whole thing memorized where as soon as she come in the room, boop, boop, boop. Why am I doing that if I have nothing to hide? If we're being transparent, vulnerable, and honest, why, why am I hiding something? Right? So we got to be asking ourselves, when I'm by myself and nobody else is around, what has my attention? What has my affection? What has my allegiance? The last thing, what might be lacking... What might be lacking in your intimacy with God? The real issue at the end of the day is a spiritual one. Sometimes people seek fantasies and pursuits of various kinds in an effort to fill the gaps in their souls. What is it we really need? What is it we think we're after when we look at imagery or chase fantasies? Take inventory of where you stand with God these days. Is he really to, is he real to you? A daily presence in your life? Where is he in your thoughts when the temptations come? Do you believe he has the power to rescue you? Jesus taught his disciples to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Matthew 6 and 13. Ask God to lead you to places and situations where you won't be tempted. Remember that he is always there and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Visualize his presence during the moments, during the most trying moments. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The ultimate path away from a false God is the path toward the true one. He offers these final words here, and with this we're gonna call it we're gonna call it a day in this um in this first segment. Jesus is our satisfaction. All along it was intimacy we really wanted, and he gives us that. When we have a love relationship with him, an unending honeymoon commences. Christ grows more wonderful to us every day. Not that sex is put aside. Of the contrary, it takes on a beauty and resonance we never could have imagined. The opposite of shame. We have been designed so that the level of intimacy we can have with our spouse is directly related whoo, to the depth of intimacy we have with Christ. Sexual intimacy as God designed it takes a human relationship to a whole new level. Because we're not using one another. We are delighting in one another. The God of sex dehumanized us. Christ restores our wholeness and makes the two of us one flesh. So much greater than the sum of our parts as we seek him together. The God of sex offers a counterfeit joy that becomes more elusive through time, even harder to please, ever closer to emptiness. But the love of Christ open, only opens up to deeper joys becoming even greater. Sexual pleasure, rightly viewed, is a rich gift that shows how much God loves us. But its ecstasy is only a foretaste of divine glory, a hint of the eternal pleasure of knowing, loving, and serving Christ. Why? Because He is our true satisfaction.
So again, if you haven't picked up this book yet, God's at War, I recommend you pick it up. But Because what it shows us is that any good thing that God has created can turn into a God thing. Any good thing that God has created can turn into a God thing. And if we're not careful, we will take the very thing that God meant for us to have that's supposed to make us um, deeper, uh, deeply um, in him, go deeper in him, end up replacing him with it and only feeling the emptiness in our souls within. And in an attempt to continue to do what we want to do, we're going to have to step over the cross and suppress our own spiritual nature in so much that we have to say to God's face, I don't believe in you. I don't care about you. I don't want anything to do with you. And I'm, again, I'm talking to the believers. If we're, if we're going to do what we want to do and sex becomes just a physical act of getting my rocks off, no matter whether it's with a spouse or whether it's something extramarital, extra it's all about me, then I'm going to have to step over the cross in order to do it. Because God has designed sex to be an intimate moment between husband and wife. And as a result, we the believers have to be ever so careful that we're not putting ourselves in a position or a place where we are telling God, I want sex my way. Because God will let you have it if you want it. But it's always going to over-promise and under-deliver. Just like with any God that's battling for our hearts. They will always over-promise and always under-deliver. And so be wise to not allow sex to become such a good thing to you that you elevate it to a God thing. Because nothing in this world can satisfy us like Jesus can. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you so much for the 925 likes that we've received thus far. Thank you for every like, every follow, every comment, and every share. If you've missed any part of this message or would like to go back and listen to past episodes, you can go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast. We thank you so, so much for what you've done on today, and we'll be right back in just a moment.
You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for the 1,600 likes that we've received thus far. Thank you so, so much for getting those likes up. Really do appreciate you. Uh, we are in our segment entitled, uh, What Would Jesus Say? Um, on Posted on yesterday at 5.28 p.m., an Alabama mayor dies of unaliving, unaliveness. At days after website publishes pictures of him allegedly in women's clothing. A small town Alabama mayor died apparently by unaliving just days after a conservative news site published pictures of him allegedly wearing women's clothes and makeup. Smith Station Mayor F.L. Bubba Copeland, who was also a pastor at First Baptist Church of Phoenix City, fatally hurt himself and was pronounced unalive on 5 at 5.01 p.m. on Friday. Lee County Coroner uh, Daniel Sexton told NBC News in a statement. Um, he said, uh, the church said, thank you for all your prayers and expressions of sympathy and support. First and foremost, we ask that you keep Pastor Bubba Copeland's family in your prayers today and in the days ahead. Copeland died two days after an 1819 News published a story with photos of the mayor donning women's clothes and makeup. Quote, it is sad and disgusting how he, he was treated by um, 1819 News. We live in a mean, bitter world where the self-righteous tend to throw the largest stones. A representative for 1819 News could not immediately be reached for comment on Sunday. Um, Copeland was best known for leading his town, town through a tornado that killed 23 people in eastern Alabama in 2019. Um, the city of Smith Station, about 80 miles east of Montgomery, Alabama's capital near the Georgia border, has a population of about 5,400 people. Um, so, yeah. Um, um, I'm going to read this scripture, and then I want to have a conversation. 1 John chapter 1, starting at verse number 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that, in, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we, work in while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us. cleanses us from all the, from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So, For a lot of Christians, a lot of, a lot of Christians, we have a tendency to have this, this issue of pride. I'm calling it issue of pride. Where we feel as though we are so 
godly that we don't take real stock and inventory into how much of a mess we really are and how much we need the Lord in our lives. I don't know this man from Adam, so I can't speak to his character. I can't speak to who he is as a person, none of that type of stuff. I don't know, you know, who he is. I don't know what he did. I don't, I don't, I don't know him from Adam. So I don't have a heaven or hell to put him in. Neither do any of us that's on this live today. No one, we don't have a heaven or hell to put anybody in, 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 in this situation. Um, but what we can, what we can discern is that in the midst of his walk with God, somewhere along the way, he bought a lie. Somewhere along the way in his walk with God, he, he latched on to a lie. And that lie said, no one can know what you're doing in the shadows. No one can know what you're doing in the shadows. You got to keep this to yourself. You got to keep this to yourself. Now, I mean, as I'm saying this, they said the pictures are allegedly of him. I don't know if they are of him. They could have easily been photoshopped. Don't know. Don't know. But whatever it was that they said in this, 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 this write-up, and I, and I did not even, I'm not even going to go look at it because I don't feel like I just feel like selling this man's reputation any more than, than he already has been. He felt such an anguish and a guilt and a shame, shame in his heart that he felt like there was nothing that could help him overcome it. And he thus forgot that there is no sin too great that God can't fix, that God can't solve, and that maybe he, was, he dragged his issue into the light so that then he could walk in the light. As I just got done saying before in our last segment, sometimes we, we forget that, you know, if we don't have anything to hide, we can walk in freedom and peace. If we walk in transparency and vulnerability, I have nothing to hide. So I can, I can walk in freedom. I can walk in peace. I can walk in love. I can walk in joy. I don't have to worry about anything. And so this brother forgot the freedom that God gives us to lay our issues bare before him, to go boldly before the throne of grace, as it says in, in, in Hebrews chapter 4. Go boldly before the throne of grace and say, God, I need help. This, this is the issue. And drag those issues into the light. Because we as the believers in God, we walk in the light. We walk in the light. So we have to be ever so careful. We have to be ever so mindful that we are not doing things or not saying things that will cause us to keep things in the shadows. Again, don't know this man from Adam. Don't know what his issues are. Don't know what his proclivities are. Don't care. The point of the matter is he kept them in the shadows. Long as nobody knows, I'm good. Long as nobody knows, I'm covered. Long as nobody knows, I'm secure. Long as nobody knows, I'm free. Long as nobody knows, I'm safe. I've got all my good stuff out here. 
I'm showing everybody out here in the open, this is the smoke screen. I'm a good person. I'm a good pastor. I'm a good father. I'm a good mayor. But I got this one problem in the deep, dark shadows. This problem in the deep, dark pits. I believe that Jesus has saved my soul, but he hadn't, but I, I'm not, I'm not, either I'm not allowing him to deliver me, or I just, I, or either he, either he hasn't delivered me yet, or I'm not letting him deliver me. Because I want this, I need this. This is a part of who I am. And so everything that I'm doing now is a cover a balancing of the scales. If I do enough good, I can keep this evil. If I do enough good, God will let me into the kingdom. If I do enough good, God won't worry about this little piece. We exchange the truth about God for a lie. So that we can hold on to the God that we're listening to. that we can hold on to the thing that God wants us to have, that, that God doesn't want us to have. I want this thing so bad. I got to have this thing so bad. I need this thing so bad. Can't live without this thing so bad that I'm going to put up the smoke screens. I'm a good pastor. I'm a good father. I'm a good husband. I'm a good mayor. I'm a good friend. I'm a good savior. So that way I can hold on to what I have because I've done so much good, God. Isn't my good good enough? And all the while God is saying, no, your good is not good enough. That's why I got on the cross and died. On, a, on your best day, your good righteousness is but a filthy rag before me. There's nothing you can do. Your sacrifices aren't enough. Your obedience apart from Christ is not enough. Your good deeds apart from me is not enough. Only Christ satisfies. Only Christ, only Christ saves. Only Christ delivers. But he bought the lie. And for many of us, we do the same thing. We buy the lie that says, if I do enough good, I can hold on to my, to my baggage. If I do enough good, God will overlook my sins. If I do enough good... We can leave this part alone and keep it in the closet. God's like, no, brother, no, sister. We got to pull that out. We got to drag it out of the darkness. And we got to sti stick a cannon in it. Because it's hindering you from having a deeper relationship with me. The problem with a lot of us is that we want the praise of men. We want the accolades of men. We want people to think that we're good. Want people to think that we're awesome. Want people to think that we're great. Want people to think that we're amazing. So we exchange the goodness of God and how he identifies us and how he loves us despite us for the applause of men. I want men and women to love me so much that they can never find out about this. When all the while God is saying, but I know. But I know what makes them so special. I know what you got going on. I see all. I know all. What makes them so special that you got to hide what's going on with you from me? So in God's 
infinite wisdom and in God's infinite love dragged our, dragged the issue into the light. And yeah, it's this devastating, gut-wrenching when we're found out. Gut-wrenching when we're found out. But the freedom that comes with being known. Because now we can deal with the issues. Now we can deal with the problems. Now we can go seek therapy. Now we can lay our issues before the altar and have God slay them so that we can be at peace. Yeah, it hurts in the beginning. But the joy that comes in the morning is infinitely greater than the weeping that endures for a night. This issue that this brother had is an issue that many of us have. We got something that we got laying in the darkness that we won't drag into the light. We won't deal with, we won't conquer, we won't overcome, we won't lay it at the feet of Jesus, we won't talk to our friends, we won't talk to our pastors, we won't talk to somebody about it. And so when we're exposed, and we were found out in one of the in some of the worst ways possible, now we're so guilt-ridden and shame-ridden that it leads us to think, I'm not worthy to exist. And the truth is, you're absolutely right. We're not worthy to exist. But Christ loved us in so much that while we were still enemies, while we were still weak, while we were estranged from him, he died for us. Donald Paulson died for you, died for me. And so God is saying to us today, don't allow your issues, don't allow your problems, don't allow your circumstances to put you in such a in such a state where you feel like Christ can't overcome that. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. He can overcome that. Any issue, any problem, any sin that you have, God said, we can overcome that. We can overcome that. If you repent and believe. The same thing that we use to save is that, that God used to save us is the same thing he uses to, to sustain us and to deliver us. Repent and believe. Turn our face toward God. And believe in everything that he said. Cast all our cares upon him. And he'll give us rest for our souls. Again, they got a heaven or hell to put that man in. His issues are his issues, his, issue, his problems were his problems. I got issues, you got issues, we all got issues and problems. And yet we serve a God who is greater than all of them. And the proof is in his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and future return. And so if you're dealing with any issue, any struggle, any problem that you're keeping locked away in the darkness... Scripture tells us if we say that we believe in Jesus, then we have to walk in the light. Not in the light of celebrity, 
not in the spotlight of, ooh, look at me. We have to walk in the light of Christ. And in doing so, drag, and, uh, and allow me a little attitude here, drag our shit into the light so that God can eradicate it. Because at the end of the day, we spend far too much time trying to put on a pretty mask and a pretty face in front of people. And, we'll, and if we're not careful, God's going to expose us for the frauds that we are. Not because he's trying to catch us, but because he loves us. And because he loves us, he's willing to expose us so that he can deliver us from the crap. Deliver us from the mess. Deliver us from the muck. Deliver us from the mire. Deliver us from the quicksand that our feet seem to get stuck in all the time. So that we can have a deeper relationship with him. One that's full of transparency, honesty, vulnerability, openness, and we no longer have anything to hide. So as we said in our last segment, do a heart check. What are you doing in the shadows that you don't want anybody to know? And how is what you're doing in the shadows honoring God? Is what you're doing in the shadows something that you wouldn't mind people knowing in the light? Because we walk in the light as Christians. We walk in the light as believers. We don't walk in darkness. If we took out what you do, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night, that's why I said again, I ain't got a heaven or hell to put this man in. We all got demons that we're dealing with. Whether you a pastor or whether you a janitor, we all got issues. Are we dragging those issues into the light? Are we dragging those issues into the light? And if we're dragging those issues into the light, then we can ask ourselves the question, We can ask ourselves the question, God, can you help me? And its obvious answer is yes. Yes and amen. And so we have to be ever so careful, ever so careful that we're not putting ourselves in a position where we feel as if we have to hide anything from the Lord. Because you can't. But that's a great thing. Because it allows us to be delivered and set free from the issues that have the potential to take our good, our goodness in God and replace it with a lie. Don't buy into the lie that says that your good works are going to get you in. Don't buy into the lie that says that nobody can know what you got going on. Don't buy into the lie that says that if I do enough good, then God will overlook the bad that I do. All of those are lies in an attempt to keep you bound. Walk in the light and walk in truth 
because God is spirit and those who worship him will worship in spirit and truth. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is indeed freedom. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for the 1,800 likes that we received thus far. Thank you for every like, every comment, every share. Um, justice for Aaliyah. Uh, we had to mute you if you're still on, but we definitely want to send up prayers for your um, for, for Aaliyah and the situation that she had going on with the cops and stuff. And so we definitely send up prayers that hopefully you're able to get the justice that you need. Um, if you missed any part of this message or you like to listen to past episodes, just go on to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and um, subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast. You can listen to all of our episodes from the first episode to now. We certainly thank you guys for your viewership and we'll be right back in just a moment. the true gospel morning show with your boy eddie d right here on tiktok live we're with you monday through friday 6 a.m to 8 a.m eastern standard time if you don't mind the 58 people that are watching right now drop down in that comment box and hit um and hit that um justice for Aaliyah. uh we definitely want to send up prayers to her again i had to mute her because she used some language that may get end up getting us banned um, and I don't, I'm trying to keep the show on, but I do empathize with your situation and so right now if y'all just send up some prayers for for at justice for Aaliyah, um, we're hoping that they're able to, um, you know, fit, fit, you know, resolve that situation in such a way to where she's able to get the, um, the, the, the justice, um, that she rightly deserves for whatever the situation is. And I'm just going to say a quick prayer real quick. Heavenly father, we come before you saying, thank you for another blessed day in your presence. We're asking Lord God that 
um, that you just touch the lives of the families of Aaliyah right now, Lord God. Don't know what happened. Don't know what the situation is, um, Lord God. But we're asking and praying, Lord God, for resolution and for peace and for justice in that situation, Lord God. Uh, we know, you know, you know, law enforcement can be corrupt at times. And so we're asking and praying, Lord God, that you just fix the system um, in a way that that glorifies and honors your name, that your that your will be done in such a way, Lord God, that that justice can prevail. Um, whether it be in this life or the next, Lord God, we're believing in you to do your wonder-working power like only you can. And Lord God, we'll be so careful to give your name praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. And again, thank you guys so, so much um, for just giving us, uh, giving us this opportunity to be able just to put that out there again. We don't know. I don't know what the situation is in its entirety, um, but we had to hit that mute button because she was using some words that could get us banned. Um, and so to go ahead and hit that mute button. But we are actively praying to the God who sees all, who hears all, and who knows all. Um, and in doing so, um, get, um, asking God for his, um, for his mercy and for his grace in that situation. All right, in our sanctification session today, we're going to be talking about um, gender norms and allowing children to play dress up. Um, and so I'm going to show us a video um, and then we're going to get into it. Um, hopefully the, the Internet will act right and not um, be dumb as a result. And here we go. one is going to put this out there don't really care you know he wants to dress up as Elsa for Halloween fine you know you know there are characters all over the place and Elsa's his favorite character he wants to dress up be Elsa that's fine I don't really have an I don't have an issue with that as much as I have an issue with the parents um and here's the reason why. I understand this incessant need for us to post everything that we do in our lives, right? Why is it that we have to turn everything that a person is doing 
into a bigger issue than what it is. They said it themselves. He wanted to dress up as his favorite character on 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 the on the Frozen movie. Okay, all right, that's fine. No, all right. You know, listen. Tyler Perry's dressed up in, in, in you know in in drag and made a bunch of movies and they've been inspirational. You know, they they've been you know very you know awesome. And that was a character. The Medea character is a character. It's not him. It's a character. And, you know, I too have donned a tutu and some makeup in a play that I was in in high school. And it killed. Like, me and my boys killed. You know? We were dressed up in tutus. The girls dressed up in the, everything that they did. And it killed. It's awesome. We had a great time. So... No issues with, again, if you want to dress up as a character, it doesn't necessarily reflect the character of who you are. So, that's what they want to do. That's what he wanted to do. That's fine. The issue I have is that the parents are now turning his choice to dress up as a character into some social justice issue about being able to, you know, decide for himself what he wants to dress up as and why should society be able to tell us whether or not he should or shouldn't. Nobody in the grand scheme of things cared. You made it an issue when you put when you when you took out your phone, recorded him, spliced it up, put your labels on it and turned it into a social issue on, on gender norms. Which leads me to believe that you're the one that actually has the issue, parents, and you're now using your kids to try to prove your point. You're exploiting your child in an attempt to prove your point. You're living vicariously through your child to prove your point. Again, you want to dress up as your favorite character? Do what you do, Slick. I ain't mad at you. Because again, there's some, there's some powerful women in, you know, you got your Black Widows, you got your, you got, you got your, um, your, your Wonder Womans and all that type of stuff, you know. So I, I get it. And they're representations of something. They're representations of something bigger. It ain't even about the, the sexuality part of it. It's they're representations of something. Right? So I get it. I understand it. And you want to feel the power and feel all that. Like you're not. Like I'm, I, I am of the mindset that the kid is not really concerned about whether it's a. Whether I feel like a girl. No, it's. The girl got powers. I want to feel powerful. I want to shoot the ice. And so, I get it. I understand it. But, when the parents are now turning it into, it's, society is telling us that we shouldn't let our kids have the freedom to express themselves. We, we should give them the freedom to do it. And this is our way of doing it. And we're going to show it to the world. Why? Why cannot not just be a moment between you and your kid? Why does it have to be that we got to put everything on blast 
now exploiting our children more so than in any other generation, but definitely it's been going on since the dawn of time, but exploiting our children to prove our points. It's not fair to the kids to be the bastions of our desires to be able to express. You want to express yourself, parent? Fine, express yourself. But don't make your kid the bastion that you stand on to say, you get to express yourself. Because now this kid, this is what, the inevitability is that this kid is now going to be the poster boy for all the ridicule, hatred, vitriol, shaming Because you decided to post him. So when he goes to school and the kids are picking on him because he's because he wore a dress for Halloween. Again, in the grand scheme of things, who cares? But when the kids are picking on him, when the parents are on your post saying all these mean things to you, saying all these mean things to him, please shield him from that. Keep that from him. Who does the fault lie with? Again, I ain't got nothing but love for the kid. You want to dress up as your favorite character? Dress up as your favorite character. Again, I ain't got a heaven or hell. Ain't worried about that. These parents, though, want so badly for this freedom of expression that they're exploiting their children to do it. The curse is carrying down from the from generation to generation. So now you got him carrying a torch that he is not prepared to carry. He is not ready to carry. He is too young to be carrying. Okay, what anybody say? He's too young to carry that kind of torch. Don't know what a societal norm is. Don't know what a gender norm is. Now, again. I don't know if they're even believers, to be honest with you. So if they ain't even believers, I can't. I shouldn't expect anything less. But definitely, if you're a believer in God, come on, man. I understand the fight for justice. I understand the fight for peace. I understand the fight for hope. But stop putting these kids. Stop making the kids. The front line of attack for your for your for your desires. I get it. You want to be heard. I get it. You want to be seen. I get it. You want to be known. I get it. You want to be able to do what you want to do and not be persecuted and not be hurt and not be harmed. I get that. It's like I told y'all a couple of weeks ago. I understand how, you know, Barack Obama, I know, you know, he was great president and all, and I know why a lot of people are mad at him, but he's not the president of the Christians. He's the president of the entire United States. So he had to he had to do what's best for everybody. I don't agree with everything that he decided upon, but as a president, I get it. You can't just side one side or the other. You got to give everybody the opportunity to live free. So I get it. You want justice. You want peace. You want to be heard. You want to be allowed to do what you want to do. I get that. 
but don't subject your kids to your fight. That I don't agree with. That I, I can't stand for. Because there was no reason to post this kid on your page and make him a mascot. That's the word I'm looking for. Make him a mascot for your agenda. That wasn't right. Because if this kid grows to have mental health issues, come to have to come to my door and talk to me, because mommy and daddy or whoever posted me years ago and I got picked on so bad in school that it traumatized me and I had to go to an alternative school in order to finish school and I was never the same since. Who are we going to say is at fault then? Well, it's everybody else's fault because they picked on him. Or maybe it was your fault for posting him in the first place. Stop using these kids in an attempt to try to push your agenda. Stop using these kids in an attempt to try to make your agenda known. What's going on, Keisha? Like, we got to stop using kids in an attempt to try to say, we want it. We kids to be able to express themselves and do freely. So if he wants to wear a dress, let him wear a dress. And I'm going to post him as the mascot for what we're trying to say. Stop using these kids to push your agenda. This kid don't care about gender norms. He just wants some candy. And he wants to dress up who he wants to dress up as. Big whoop. Don't post. Because I promise you, if he, this boy get picked on, y'all going to get mad at everybody who picking, calling them haters, rather than looking at yourself and saying, why did I post that in the first place? Why did I edit? Because come on, I'm telling you, why did I edit the video and put the blurbs on the video? Because he didn't ask for that. He didn't say, hey, mommy, can you post me at four years old? Can you post me on, on the on, on thing and, and make it about gender and stuff? He didn't ask for that. The boy just wanted to dress up and get candy. You made that decision to make him a mascot for the movement. So if he's subjected to any type of vitriol, whether it be, you know, through the through the site itself or whether it be through school, don't blame them. Don't blame the kids. Don't blame anybody out there inside it. Blame yourself. Because you didn't have to post that. You could have kept that to yourself. Again, fight for your rights. Fight for them. But don't use your kids as the mascots. That ain't right. Wondering why a lot of these kids got mental health issues. Why a lot of them got mental health issues now. I wonder how many videos we posted of them doing things. And then they got ridiculed and ostracized by the people online or the people at school. And we telling them, oh, just suck it up, baby. You're going to be all right. How about you not post? Is it that important to you to be seen known and heard for something that you got to put something on the internet in order to prove your point 
We should be ashamed of ourselves. We should be ashamed of ourselves. Like, it ain't right that kids are having to fight battles that are unnecessary. They didn't ask for that. They didn't ask for that. All the boy wanted to do was get candy. He didn't ask to become a mascot. Man, Nikki, man, Nicole, don't do that, man. I like that game. Dog it, man. You right, though. You right. You right. You right. You right. 100%. You right. Hug it. You gonna have to go to Jesus on that one. You are right. Mm -mm -mm. My goodness. Alright, I'm off my soapbox now. I'm off my soapbox now. I think. Leave the kids alone, man. Leave the kids alone. That's all I'm saying. Leave the kids alone. Because they, they ain't asking for none of that. They ain't asking for none of that. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for the 3,200 likes. Y'all are getting no likes in today. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you for the 3,200 likes. Thank you for the likes, the follows, the comments, and the shares. If you've missed any part of this recording or would like to listen to past episodes, go right now to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and listen to and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast. And um, you can listen to every episode. You can listen to and repeat episodes all over um, again. And so you got you guys are um, so awesome in my book. Thank you so much for watching. And we'll be right back in just a moment. Eva, you take care of yourself. We'll see you again soon. Subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast. Watching the True Gospel Morning Show right here on TikTok Live.
We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you, again, have missed any part of this message or want to listen to past episodes, feel free to stop by Spotify or Apple Podcasts right now and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast. Um, all of our episodes from day one to now are uploaded um, onto those um, those um, sites um, and those um, streaming platforms. And so you listen to any and all of our episodes. Feel free to share it with your friends, share it with your enemies, share it with everybody. Um, let them know that what we're doing here um, is just giving people a little bit of Jesus each and every day um, to start off your day. And again, you can listen to all of our past episodes from the inception to now. Um, and again, I thank you guys for the continued support. And it's 100% free. Like I said, y'all ain't got to pay for nothing. I'm not going to make y'all pay for no thing um, in order to get this word out there. So again, I thank you guys so, so much. Um, a question from the chat in uh, about two weeks ago was asked, why would someone go back and forth between living for God and the world? Um, we've been talking about it um, for the past uh, you know, couple of weeks now in God's at War series. Um, but I want to answer the question more specifically today. Why would someone go back and forth between living for God and the world? Um, if we turn to Romans chapter 6. We see this word from Paul. It says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Go to chapter 7. Verse 13, nope, verse 9. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved death to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So it is now no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do, not, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So I find it to be a law. That when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells 
in my members. <clears throat> so, why would someone go back and forth between living for God for living for God in the world? Because of sin. Ooh, thought I had to sneeze. Because of sin. We live in a broken world where broken people do broken things. And even the best of us, talking about us believers, even the best of us, we still have the capacity to sin. We still have the capacity to error. We still have the capacity to do things that we ought not do. We have that capacity within us. No matter how much God we got in us, because we live in this earthen vessel, we still have the capacity to mess up. We still have the capacity to muck it up. We still got the capacity to do things that are contrary to the will and the word of God. We've talked about this last week, the difference between the permissive will and the perfect will. We have the tendency to walk out of the perfect will of God and to remain solely in the permissive will. We all have that capability because we still live in flesh. We are not of the flesh, but we live in flesh. Just like we are in the world, but not of the world. As a result, we all have the capacity. Now, as we grow in our relationship with God, it should be such, as we talked about in our last segment, in, in two segments ago, that we should be walking in the light. We should no longer walk in darkness. If we say that we are believers in God, we should be walking in the light and not in darkness. And so, while we live in these earthen vessels, we should be moving, living, and having all being and breathing through the Spirit. So, when they say, don't be so heavenly minded that you know earthly good, we can't afford not to be. Because anytime we make ourselves earthly good, we have the capacity to do earthly things. Christ says, if you have been raised with Christ, seek those things that are above where Christ is. Our minds should be set up there, not on the things of the earth. So we as the people of God, though we live in earthen vessels, our hearts and our minds posture should always be aimed toward Jesus. When it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things be added unto you, we want the all things added unto you. We don't want to seek the kingdom. See what I'm saying? Our focus is on the wrong side of that equation. We think, I, let, me, let me seek God so he can give me stuff. Instead, what it's trying to tell us is, don't worry about the stuff. Focus on me. You ever heard that song about her? Can you focus on me? Can you focus on me? Baby, won't you focus on me? Focus. If we focus on God, stay connected to God, then it makes it easier to walk in the light and to not stray into darkness. But all of us, nevertheless, have the capacity to walk in darkness. We all got temptations. We all have desires. We all have ambitions. We all have goals and dreams. We all have anger, hatred, and malice in, in, that, that, can, that can lay waste in our hearts. Seeds and roots of bitterness that we won't let go of. You know, we want to be mad at this person or that person or this person or that person from things that happened 10 or 15 years ago that ain't nobody thinking about but you. I ain't talking about serious stuff. I'm talking about petty stuff. I'm talking about petty stuff. Stuff that we just need to let go of. Like, you, 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 you harboring on that for way too long. But those seeds of bitterness, 
They, they all have the capacity to grow. We got to uproot. We can't just mow over the weed. We got to uproot the weed. We got to pull it out the ground. We got to make sure it can't nothing get back in that spot. Put it, put more gospel there. When it talks about the, 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 the parable of the four soils, the thing that people tend to miss about that parable is that, yes, those four soils are representative of who we are as people when it comes to the hardness of our hearts. But we forget that God has the capacity to change any ground in the fertile ground. That ground that can't nothing grow on, God can till that ground so that something can grow on it. That ground that's shallow, God can till that ground to make it have some depth. That ground that's got thorns and thistles, God can pull the thorns and thistles out of that ground so that it can be good ground that can grow some stuff. And that growth multiply and mature and shoot up and be tenfold, twentyfold, a hundredfold in terms of our relationship with him. But we have to be led by the spirit and allow our hearts and minds to not be such to where we are turning against God in favor of what we really want. But all of us got things that are, that have, like we talked about, I've been talking about from, from, for the past two weeks, all of us have something that has the capacity to usurp the throne of God and place it in his place. Every last one of us. All it takes is the right time, the right situation, the right circumstance with the right person, thing, idea, concept, opportunity, or whatever. And we'll find us ourselves moving God off the throne and placing whatever that thing is in his place. And sometimes the devil is so sneaky with it that you won't even realize what you're doing until it's way too late. Just like we found out with the Alabama pastor and mayor. Sometimes all it takes is that one, that one little whisper from the enemy. That one creeping desire that shoots up out of nowhere. I told y'all the story. My, my grandma and I, we, you know, growing up, I used to watch soap operas with her all the time over the summer. And, and it's like, these stories are so dumb, but you can't stop watching like the train wreck. Had this one episode. This dude was has been happily married for at least two or three seasons. No issues, no problems, no proclivities, nothing. Ain't nothing bothering this man. This man got it good. And he thinks, he thinks about this woman who caused him all sorts of hell four seasons prior. He just thinks about her. And all of a sudden, it starts a whole storyline of him wanting her all over again. Ain't no reason, no reason for him to be thinking about this woman. Ain't nothing going on in his marriage. Ain't nothing going on on the job. Ain't nothing going on with the kids. Everything is fine. But that one thought, ooh, let me call her and see what she's up to. And that's all it took for like the next season and a half for chaos to ensue throughout this man's life. All because if instead of bringing that thought captive and saying, I ain't finna mess with that woman. Last time I messed with this woman, the woman almost cost me my life. I don't, you know, I can't, don't mess with this woman, leave alone. Instead, I remember the good time we had. Yeah, man, I remember that good time. I wonder, you know, if I can get some of that. All it takes is one little thought. 
So the question, why would someone go back and forth between living for God and the world? One of those reasons is because we just live in flesh. And because we live in flesh, we have the capacity to do that. Now, there are some people who are just wishy-washy. They haven't really committed to God. They've committed to a form of godliness, but they ain't really submitted to God. So they can say, I love Jesus, but really they love something else. And so they're really straddling the fence. And God says, those who are lukewarm, they're, they, I'd rather you be hot or cold. Lukewarm people, I've spit out my mouth. They're the worst of the worst to me. Going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, talking about I love you, but I don't. I'm here, but I'm not. Like, nah, bro, choose a side. You're either all in or you're all out. There is no in-between with God. And some of us try to straddle that fence. And that's why you find some people who would go back and forth because they love God, but they love their stuff. And so God has become a convenient add-on rather than being our entire lives. And so, again, we got to be ever so mindful and careful that we're not putting ourselves in a position or a place where we are straddling the fence. But again, recognize we all got the capacity to do it, which is why we need a savior. We need a savior to not just save us from our sins, but to sustain us through the sanctification journey that we're going to be going, that we're on from now till eternity. Because all of us got the capacity to do wrong. That's why y'all hear me say all the time, I ain't got a heaven or hell put nobody in, man. I'm barely making it in myself. I love Jesus for that. And for anybody who's ever been hurt by somebody who made it feel like, you know, you got to be perfect in order to be in this kingdom, I'm so sorry that happened to you because that's not the Jesus that we serve. That is not, that's not the Jesus that we serve. So I'm so sorry if somebody said that to you. I'm so sorry if somebody made you feel like that because that's not the God we serve. That's not the God we worship. He's not waiting for you to get it right. Before you get before before you enter in, he's saying, I love you as you are right now. I died for you as you are right now. I can change your heart. I can change your mind. I can change your entire being. Give me a chance. Give me a real chance. So that's, again, why people can go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Because, again, yeah, we love Jesus, but there's some stuff out there that we love, too. And we need Jesus to help us and remind us that, yeah, you might love those things, but those things will never satisfy your heart and soul like I do. And so rather than turn to those things for your ultimate joy, peace, satisfaction, turn to me, lean on me, depend on me, stay with me, stick with me. I got you. The peace that surpasses all understanding will guard, and, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You can take that to the bank. And so again, we love him, we honor him, we delight in him, but we also are we also recognize our capacity. We have the capacity to fall. The capacity to fall short, the capacity to make the mess up, the capacity to make a mistake. So don't feel as if you know we you are exempt. All of us have the power. All of us have the power to be able to go back to what we to what we fell to what we to, to what we were going what we went to Christ for in the first place. As person says, as um as Amanda Legg says, um that scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this is what our prayer should be for us that we never forget the foundation of it all. 
I will remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance to the scriptures, in accordance with the scriptures. So let us not forget and let us be careful that we don't judge one another for falling short. For we've all, fought, fought, all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And yet Christ saved us, delivered us in the midst of the mess, in the midst of our issues, in the midst of our problems. He still reached way down to pick us up. And that, again, we can take to the bank. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. Our, uh, uh, something praiseworthy today. We're coming out of, um, no, um, of, um, out of the sports realm today. Damar Hamlin launches a scholarship in honor of Cincinnati medical staff who saved his life. <clears throat> Buffalo Bills safety Damar Hamlin is honoring 10 members of University of Cincinnati Medical Center staff with a scholarship program for young people in Cincinnati. On Sunday, Hamlin announced that he had dinner with the medical professionals who saved his life and surprised him with a scholarship for Cincinnati youth in their honor. Last night, I had dinner with my heroes, 10 of the UC medical staff that helped save my life. I surprised them with a scholarship named after each of them that would support youth and Cincy to chase their dreams. Wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. Hamlet's charity, Chasing M's, will be awarding $1,000 scholarships to 10 individuals in underserved communities in Cincinnati for each of the next three years, according to the Associated Press. Each of the scholarships will be named after the 10 first responders, nurses, and doctors who treated Hamlin after he suffered a cardiac arrest mid-game last season. The announcement of the scholarship comes just in time for the Bills' return to Cincinnati to play the Bengals for Week 9 of the 2023 season. Quote, I'm humbled by the opportunity to set up a scholarship program to honor this team of professionals, my Cincinnati heroes who helped save my life. Today, as I look at honoring these Cincinnati heroes and lifting up young people who are trying to find their way, I'm reminded of the enormous blessing I've been given through my charity and the generosity of the people around the world. Um, as we recall, on January 2nd, Hamlin took a blow to the chest that caused his heart to stop during a Monday night football game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Officials said later that Hamlin experienced a cardiac arrest and had his heartbeat restored on the field before being taken away in an ambulance. And so, as we always say, you know, it's stories like these that don't that don't find the spotlight. You know, we're we're bit with so we're very busy finding all of the bad things that are happening in the world that makes it difficult to see the good things that are happening in the world. This man could have taken his money and just been like, "Thank you for saving me," and now I'm gonna go off and go live my dream, playing football some more, and bump y'all. But no. He's now using this opportunity to spread some goodness to 10 people for the next three years. So 30 people will get these scholarships. And I'm, I'm convinced it's going to go on for all, for, all, for all eternity at this point. But I thank God that he gives us this opportunity to be able to see that, you know, there are some good people in this world. There are some really good people in this world. And they are willing to do, you know, good things for people. 
with the resources that they have, they're willing to reach out and help somebody else along the way. And so, again, it's not, we don't have to just focus on the bad things that are happening in the world. We can focus on the good as well, because we, as the people of God, should be the hands and feet of Jesus that are going out and giving support wherever we can. And so it doesn't, it doesn't take us having to have a whole lot of money. We don't have to have a whole lot of followers. We don't have to have a whole lot of support. We don't have to have the cameras flashing. Sometimes just giving a person a helping hand, giving somebody a smile, giving somebody a couple of bucks along the way, giving somebody something to eat, you know, giving somebody some good advice, giving somebody the gospel. That's the greatest good that we could give to someone. Because as the scriptures tell us, sometimes in our doing good, we are entertaining angels. And so, again, we should be the hands and feet of Jesus that are on the front lines of showing people the love of God. For Christ tells us, by this they will know that we are his disciples, if we have love one for another. So go out there and love on somebody today. Go out there and do something for somebody today. Don't let your life just be all about you and your pursuits. Be there for others. Show love to one another. Submit to one another care for one another, look out for one another, pray for one another, be there to support one another in any and all capacities that you can, because you never know, you never know when God is sending you someplace to do the very thing that he's wanting to do in someone else's life. You know, sometimes, you know, we ask God, you know, what, when you going to do this or how you going to do that? Or when you going to do that? He said, I did when I created you, I created you to do it. A lot of times we'll be like, I don't understand why this thing is happening. I don't understand why this thing's going on. God is saying, maybe I'm impressing that on your heart because it's you that's meant to be the solution. And so just think about that. I'm not saying that you're going to solve everything because, again, we live in a broken world where broken people do broken things. And this world ain't going to get fixed till Jesus comes back. But we can do our little bit here in this life in preparation for the life to come. I want to thank y'all so much for, for stopping by on today. Thank you for the 5,000 likes that we've received today. You guys are freaking rock stars in my book. Thank you for every like, every follow, every comment, every share. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with your boy here on the True Gospel Morning Show. Hope that we said something that will edify your day and start your week off right. As always, guys, if you can't see the good, be the good. I love you guys. Peace out, homies.